Welcome to No One Likes a Tuna Podcast, the world's premier dedicated Fast and Furious podcast. I'm Nick Nocera. <laughs> and I'm Daryl Wong. And uh, Daryl, after our last week, where we m- sort of micro-marathoned uh, all nine movies? Was it all, all nine? nine? All nine. All nine we, did a, we did a three-by-three three marathon, and I, I feel like it was great with success. It was a great success. Here's what a, a key takeaway from for me. Um, I'm ready to throw Hobbs and Shaw in the trash as non-canon and like just get it out of there. Right? I, I'm ready to get rid of it. I'm it's ready. totally unnecessary. <laughs> I'm totally ready to get rid of it. And the, the other thing is, um, you know, I watched this video. I watched this like YouTube video. This guy like Patrick Willems, who's who's kind of I don't know. He's okay. But um, he talks about the Fast and Furious movies sometimes, um, and he basically made a point that we've been making over the past however long we do this, is that, mm-hmm. like, Vin and company have this, like, beautiful dedication to the series and are, like, very serious. And one of the reasons that we feel like the chemistry of that clan works is because everyone is, like, shows up and is in the business, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're in the business of making Fast and Furious features. And The Rock is in the business of making The Rock movies, right? And mm-hmm. so his, like, tongue-in-cheek, jokey style really strays this series away from the Fast and Furious family and towards The Rock, right? And, I and think it's that's noticeable. Where some of that... Yeah, some of that tension probably came from, you know, and Patrick Willems talks about this too, is like some of that tension of, you know, wasn't just probably around shooting schedules or moving dates around or whatever. It's really about like The Rock trying to push the series into his style, right? Mm -hmm. When, you know, A, this series basically made him the biggest movie star in the world. Like he, he wasn't anything before Fast Five. In terms of movie star ability. And then, like, for him to come in, become a giant movie star, and then try to rest the series in, into his, you know, mold, I think was probably frustrating for a lot of his co-stars. Hmm. Uh, who care, who weirdly, I mean, I don't care about the movies, but, like, they weirdly really care about the quality of the product. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a it's a family that sort of exists. Yeah, I think it started on screen, but then like more than likely sort of has extended beyond screen in terms of their professional relationships and partnerships. Totally, totally. And when uh, when somebody's trying to sort of pull it towards themselves, I think that goes against the ethos of the in canon stuff where they're all a family and they work together as a team. And the sort of offset stuff where they're, they are a family and they make these movies together and they do it together and they're sort of all in it for each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that, that, that I think he made a good point. So if you haven't seen it, like there's two videos. One is like Patrick Willems, How I Became a Fast and Furious Fan and You Can Too or something like that. And two is like he just released like a little follow up video to a bunch of videos that he'd done before. This was sort of his COVID isolation type content where mm-hmm. he sort of went back and gave some updates, including updates on Fast Eight and Hobbs and Shaw, which he hadn't talked about before. So I definitely recommend him. That he's like he's a smart dude and like you know he's sort of a film theorist you know I, I wouldn't call him a filmmaker but he's definitely like a he's definitely like a critical voice out there which i think uh one that i think is kind of good basically mm-hmm. okay um, cool yeah patrick willems patrick willems yeah willems. patrick h willems maybe okay yeah look him up nice um so this week as as much as we're dedicated to fast and furious we sometimes watch movies outside our you know our the the nine canonical Fast and Furious movies. And this week, uh, we watched an early Justin Lin feature, did we not? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Better Luck Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, what year's movie again? Oh, I didn't even... I don't know. I, 2002, yeah. maybe? I, look, I looked at my notes, and I was like, I didn't write that down. No, I did not write that down either. I'm going to look it up now. Um, 2002. Got it right. Okay. So, wow. 
Yeah, 2002. This was... Okay, so he directed um, Tokyo Drift in 2006. Or I guess mm-hmm. he worked on it in 2005. This movie came out. So, you know, pretty sharp trajectory upwards for him. Between 2002 and 2009, when 4 was released, that was his first big mm-hmm. hit, I think. You know, mega, um, mega blockbuster. So, Better Luck Tomorrow is mm-hmm. a... What do we call it? Like um Asian coming-of-age story that follows... Um, ben Mananag, his friend Virgil, oh. Virgil's cousin Han, Virgil's and cousin um, Han. Uh, another buddy from school, Derek. What's his name? Derek Liu. Der- Darren? 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 Darren Liu? Darren. Darren or Derek Liu? Yeah. Darren Liu. Um, and the four, they play sort of different types of uh, Asians in high school, but they sort of share this thread of being... Um, kind of like overachieving in the academics department, but yep. have a lot of extracurricular activities that they yep. like to uh, do together. Yeah. Um, they, okay, yeah, so we should probably like just roll a baseline. So there's the main character, what's his name? Ben. Ben. He's sort of your like straight-laced kind of nerdy dude, like mm-hmm. just sort of a reg- regular run-of-the-mill yeah, like trying to bump Lead. up his SAT scores, like mm-hmm. wants to go on a date, maybe mm-hmm. see a boob. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Virgil is their like skinny weirdo pervy friend, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, Han is like the cool guy. Han is still played by Sung Kang, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is like the cool guy, sort of, he drives a Mustang, sort of a coolio. <laughs> Yeah, he uh, d- yeah he does drugs and he has long hair and he uh, doesn't show up to class all the time. And Darren is the sort of jock, jock uh, valedictorian. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the president of all of the after-school clubs. Right, right. Uh, so these four guys end up devising different. Um, Sort of illicit schemes to make money, basically, mm-hmm. as as part of their extracurricular activities, <laughs> um, and that starts off as um, sort of returning items at higher prices um, than than they bought them for, um, and then that evolves into uh, co- uh, writing, like doing different homework assignments for cash. Mm-hmm. To selling drugs, I think so. Yeah, uh, to uh, well, eventually, eventually, murder, murder. All the while, like there's this, you know, teen plot going on of they're trying to get straight A's to get into a. Ivy League schools to to go on a date with girls, you know, all that sort, and just survive sort of teenhood, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they? Do you know? Are they? One. This takes place in Texas. I was thinking like Southern California. I, I was looking at it. SoCal. Yeah, I think yeah, the I suburban it. feel of it definitely sort of said California to me, but yeah. I think there's something about it that seemed a little bit more like Los Angeles than Bay Area. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, they, they may have told us and we just, I just missed it or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And um, like Daryl said, like the four guys are, sort of, are, are of Asian descent. Mm-hmm. Um, are they all? There's a reference to like people thought they were Chinese mafia or like hooked up to the Chinese mafia. Are they all of Chinese descent? Or I don't think so. I think it was. Um, I think it was designed to be sort of um, ambiguous. Ambiguous, right? Because yeah. like even the name like Minanag is probably like Filipino, where oh, okay. like Han appears to be Korean, Virgil. Right. I don't know what he is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it was kind of just mixed Asian. Right. Okay. I, I, from my general assessment there. Yeah. <laughs> from, from, your, <laughs> from your professional opinion. My professional opinion, yeah. Okay. Mm. Um, well, what would you think about this movie? 
first of all. So I thought it was I thought it was really good. I yeah. like I haven't like the only Justin Lin movies I have watched I believe are Fast and the Furious movies. Yeah. So I was pleased that this one sort of had a different um, just like quality to it and. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never watched it before. I think it it sort of tells a story. Uh, it tells like a coming of age story for like somebody like in my like my older cousin's generation, like five to ten years older than me. I think is sort of really like when they were that age at that time. When they were yeah, teenagers right at time that time, period. right? Yeah, yeah. And that's why, like, to me and I, like it. I think the storyline itself is like kind of timeless in terms of like mm-hmm. Asian sort of like movie stories. But I mm-hmm. think, yeah, like when you look at it, it's just like, oh, like I didn't really live that. And that's, that was, it feels a little bit dated to it me. It isn't reminiscent of your like high school experience, basically. No. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, are there I'm, aspects of it that are reminiscent of your high school, like your California experience? Uh, You're from the I Bay mean, Area, they're from LA. So like there is a yeah. difference there, I'm sure. I mean, I definitely like. I went to like like a like an academic like. I guess it was a public like a public charter school, but a lot of Asian kids trying mm-hmm. to get into Ivy leagues and right. UC schools. Like very competitive from an academic standpoint, right. but um, it didn't really. And let me think. Like I think the, and I think this is done on purpose in the movie, but mm-hmm. I think like. There aren't any adults around, you know. Yes, yes, I know, I have that noted here too. Yeah, so that was that was kind of like a bigger point that I wanted to expand on, which is that I you feel the presence of adults, right? Mm-hmm. You have like Virgil like talking about how Zad is going to kick his ass, and like yeah. you like you feel the presence of parents, and yeah. as it sort of manifests in like the the structure. That yeah. they put on themselves as students to like get the good grades so they can go and dick around, you right. know. Right. And I think it's done. I think that's done on purpose. Yeah. Like to sort of focus in on the kind of like the short sightedness of like being a angry teenager, you know. And like yeah, yeah. It almost uh, makes it more. It weirdly works. I think it works really well. It makes it almost more impactful. Of like instead of like a character's dad being like, you have to get good grade, right? Like, sort of just having that character there. It, it ends up being this sort of ethereal presence of authority and pressure, mm-hmm. right? Like, the feeling of pressure to me was very apparent. Well, little pun there. But, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think it worked well not to, like to have that pressure be invisible, basically. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And I think that was the thing that allowed me to like sort of like I could I could immerse myself within the confines of this movie in these characters. But when I try to like take that those situations and try to place myself in those as like a whatever as a Asian in high school or yeah. whatever, like I couldn't imagine ever being in those situations because like I was at school. Or, like, I was at home, or, like, my parents definitely knew what I was doing all the time. <laughs> like, all the so, time. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I can't, yeah. like, I, it's, like, I, yeah, I can't, it's hard for me to even place sort of more than a handful of times where I just, like, didn't see my parents or, like, right, right, all the time. Right. Yeah. I had, like, I went to a boarding school. Mm-hmm. I didn't board. Like, I lived at home. But um, I... Definitely had, like... So there was, like, a window, right? It was, like, after school and after sports. So it was, like... I would sometimes stay and have dinner at the school with boarding students. So there was, like, dinner time to... You know, maybe I would stay after and study. Like, there was... I could sort of find a window somewhere between responsibilities and actually physically being home that Mm -hmm. I could kind of fuck around and, like, smoke pot and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, my parents knew were where I was to the point where like they gave me a cell phone 
And they were like, you got to have it on you. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck no. I don't, I don't want this like tracking device. I got valuable pocket space. I'm not going to yeah. waste yeah. it on this gigantic <laughs> cell phone. This cell phone. Well, I'm just supposed to carry this thing around all the time. It doesn't even do anything. <laughs> like, what the oh, fuck? Like, that was my attitude. And they would get pissed. If I would like turn it off or like I wouldn't charge the battery and like just let the battery die. And like, yeah. They would be pit. They were like, "We tried calling you. Like, where were you?" I was like, "Oh, my cell phone died." You know. Yeah. They were they were not happy about it. Basically. Um. So like, I found little windows, but I certainly didn't have the like expanse of time that these kids seem to have mm-hmm. in high school. Um. You know, I don't know if it's reminiscent of Justin Lin's experience. Right. Like mm-hmm. he certainly wrote this movie. Hmm. You know, uh, and, mm, you know, I don't know, like, what, I don't know where he's from, honestly. I know he went to USC grad school, but, Mm -hmm. uh, for film, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, like, yeah, in terms of, like, placing yourself in, like, high school, and I think, um, like, I don't know, when I watch sort of similar coming-of-age movies, like, the thing that I always end up taking away is sort of like this, like, the, um, it, yeah, it kind of profiles the dangerousness of the teen spirit. Like, it's mm-hmm. unguided and sort of like the the normal limits that I kind of, like, exist in, yeah. although I feel free, like, on a normal basis. Like, right. really, like, I've kind of built up, like, a few parameters by which I will live my life. Yeah. And yeah. I think, and, like, yeah. yeah, I think this movie and, but, yeah, between the four sort of, yeah, our four main characters, um, mm. how they sort of, like, define for themselves, like what's okay and what's not and how they can like, yeah, even for the main, for like, for the main character, right. He can put all his energy into basketball and, mm-hmm. and his academics, but then like he takes that same energy and he like, yeah, well, uh, overdose on his birthday, you know? So taking that right. same focus and sort of putting it in the, like a, in the wrong direction. Like, right. It's like what happens when that misguided focus sort of spirals out of control. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about the basketball, so the basketball is where Ben meets Darren, I think, uh, and because Darren writes an article about Ben as sort of being a token Asian on the basketball, like the article is about being a token Asian on the basketball team, Mm -hmm. um, and one thing I want to say, which I was like, what? Oh, it is Derek. You're right. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Um. One thing I want to say is, like, so when the basketball team gets posted, there's, like, a little list. This is just a little thing. There's, like, a little list, right? And he goes down the list, like, one, two, three, four, five. And he's, like, the sixth man, right? Uh-huh. If you're the sixth man, you're you're getting minutes. Like, you're not, <laughs> yeah. you're not starting, but, like, you get minutes as a sixth man, right? Well, like, yeah, I, like, I mean... <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're starting five or not playing the full, aren't playing all four yeah, quarters nonstop. 100% like, not happening. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I can imagine like a few high schools where like, you know, like your star player is just like so dominant, like he could coast through and sort of play the whole game. But totally. for the most part, yeah. For the most part, yeah, not happening. I mean, unless oh. you're, and, and, and the other thing is like, unless you're in a, in a, like, a very which they may have been because they're in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you're in a very competitive high school like that, actually competes on like a state level in a mm-hmm. real way. A lot, of, most high schools like rotate dudes to get them reps and playing time and like enjoy the team activity of fucking playing basketball, which was there for. Right? They're not right. all these like super focused, you know. Whatever. I don't know if your high school was like that. My high school was definitely like if you're on the basketball team, even if you sh- you're shit, you're getting s- you're getting some minutes in the game because like that's part of what the experience is. Yeah, my high school was pretty competitive. I think we mm-hmm. played whatever like D one high school sports, right. um, but our basketball team was really good. Like they yeah. won like a number of they won state or something like a number of years that I was there, but. 
if you're that yeah if you're that sixth man you'll get some minutes but if you're like the eighth man on the bench you might be sitting yeah, 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 kind of yeah. the whole time mostly yeah. because it's just like you're too slow like we played fast paced basketball six you're the first rotation in. like yeah anyway, to be fair it though, was just a little <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm like micro whatever yeah yeah but, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, because when he looked, and the only reason I had that re- reaction is because like he looked at the list, and like you don't see his reaction first; you see the list first, and it goes one, two, uh-huh. three, four, five, six. I was like, "Oh, six man, six like, man, you made it, good great. job, you made the yeah. team, yeah. way to go, man!" Yeah, all and you need is one guy to like, bummed out, and I'm like, "Oh, it's supposed to be bad." <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, got it, got it, got it. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought that was funny. You know, talking about this movie now. I kind of like it more than watching it. Mm-hmm. I was not... I didn't love this movie, hmm. to be honest with you. Um, and one of the main reasons was I thought it was very strangely structured. Like, there's almost too much conflict in the movie, mm. right? So there's, like, conflict between Ben and Derek um, and in terms of, like being an all-star, getting good grades, getting it, like, Derek is sort of, like, the jock champion, not just of, like, sports, but also, you know, um, clubs and activities and grades and shit. So there's, like, competition there to be sort of be the best, right? The strive to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, like, competition for women where Steve, who is played by John Chu. John Cho. John Cho, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, from Harold and Kumar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is dating the girl that Ben has a crush on. So there's, like, conflict there. Um, you know, there's conflict with, like, uh, the drugs and criminal activities, right? And that conflict even sort of seems to get resolved in the middle of the movie, which is weird to me, right? Like, he, like, quits all the activities, but then mm-hmm. for some reason goes back and starts again with the guys, and that's not really clear to me why. And then, um, you know, I guess it's supposed to sort of be over the girl, but it doesn't, it just, there's all these sort of conflicts that are, end up being a mush of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I felt like some of them really could have been condensed. Like just make Darren and Steve, Derek and Steve, the same character. Mm -hmm. Right. And like have the jock who's good at stuff, have the girl that Ben has, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and I get it's actually a really teen movie. Like it's very reminiscent of like, and sort of tongue in cheek poking fun at some like filmmaking and tropes of like teen comedies from the late nineties and early two thousands, I think. But, and I, so I get that it's trying to like tongue in cheek, make fun of those, but also kind of stray away from those and like break out. But you gotta compact some of these conflicts so that like the audience has somewhere to focus their attention. Right, mm-hmm. and somewhere to focus their ire, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was my main, I think, problem with the movie was like it's a little unfocused. Mm-hmm. I could see that, but like, yeah, maybe that sort of is a whatever, and like a a nod to the fact that like when you're a teenager, like what seems like drama mm-hmm. in high school is mm-hmm. sort of small potatoes elsewhere. Right. I I will say about sort of the like having um, Darren as sort of like an alpha character, and then having like John, uh, whatever Steve, at this as a sort of like other one. Yeah. I I did appreciate that um, Darren and Steve don't look anything alike because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes movies will like have kind of like opposing characters at opposing schools, and, and they like make them look the same, and then right. that makes it very hard to follow. But right. Right. John Cho kind of holds his own with his own. Yeah, he holds his own. So, like, there was no confusion about that, which mm-hmm. I appreciate. There's no confusion about... I mean, I thought, like, all of the characters really were, like, well-defined and differentiated. Like, just looks-wise, personality, costume... The costumes, I actually thought, were great. Yeah. Um, Virgil's pants. Yes. I wrote a note. <laughs> I wrote a note. Oh, my goodness. That's so cool. He wears Those them many big... times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and different <laughs> ones. <laughs> like the extra, extra, extra wide, like, industrial Angle. rave pants. Yeah. yeah, rave pants. Yeah, I think so they have good. a name. I, I don't remember. Like, 
They're not like Jenko jeans, right? Or whatever. Jenko uh, is, that- is more. Yeah, Jenko is like definitely. It's a it's a husky. It's a husky jean <laughs> that has Jenko on the back. Yeah. But the in, the industrial ones have like straps and stuff and like zippers, zippers, and, like, and yeah. Yeah. Virgil I remember a lot of those used to have like almost ribbons coming off of them like mm-hmm. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like renaissance style um uh, yeah tied hip closures yes yeah yeah wow those are pants so people who don't have a mental image he has like these big black canvas or like nylon pants that start at the thigh and just go uh, they continue to grow out as they go <laughs> like to the point where the bottom Bell or whatever they're not mm-hmm. they're not um, bell bottoms but like the bot the ankle part portion of them are like covering his feet right and they go mm-hmm. all the way to the ground yeah um I remember these pants <laughs> big time yeah big time I don't think I ever wore them but I do remember them yeah. no that would fall in the category of not practical pants that I was not Correct. allowed to wear yeah yeah oh not allowed I I was all about practicality in my youth. yeah i was like it's cords or nothing basically mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah but i did think the costumes like were great and they did a very quick good job of differentiating characters keeping them within their own distinctive styles and like giving us insight into their worlds right like mm-hmm. those pants are hideous but they they really sell a type of character in the early two th- early aughts like you get right away what this dude is about, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really good for, for that character. Do you want to talk murder? Ooh, okay. I thought the murder... <laughs> I okay. just couldn't... So, yeah. yeah, the setup of the murder yeah. is that, uh, yeah, after, well, let's call it uh, three-quarters of the way into the movie, uh, John Cho slash Steve... Um, wants the guys to uh, rob, rob his, his parents' rob his house rich parents' house for to, some reason, which is not entirely explained to me. Yeah, yeah, not explained, but he just wants to do it. His form of teen angst is trashing his parents' stuff, right. and in order to teach him a lesson, the guys um, are planning to sort of partially go through with the plan, and then. Give Steve a scare. Yeah. 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 Um, but that goes awry. It goes very awry very quickly. And I don't know if he gets shot first or if he just gets something. Yeah. So they lure Steve into a into a garage and they are about to beat him up. And Virgil and Virgil's journey, it sort of it's a very much a roller coaster, right? He starts yeah. off really, yeah. He's uh, it's kind of a sweet boy at the beginning. I mean, he's like pervy he and weird, but he's like kind of sweet and and, and harmless, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he get yeah he starts to get a taste of kind of like the party life yeah. and the drugs, the gangster life, he, the gangster life, and yeah. he gets a thrill out of it. But he's still, yeah, he's still young. He's still grappling with kind of like the stress that's associated with the gangster life. Right. But he pulls a gun on Steve, mm-hmm. and then they have a tussle, and mm-hmm. it, it it cuts away um, when yeah at some point sort of Steve seems to be sort of taking control of the gun, and the the three of them are trying to wrestle it away from him. But it cuts away, and we're not actually sure if anybody gets shot. Right, but yeah, right. exactly. A gun does go off. We're not sure if anybody gets shot. Then Ben comes into the room, sees Steve lying on the ground, and we're, he takes a baseball bat to his head and basically basically kills him almost. Mm-hmm. And then Virgil and Derek, um, mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time with that name, but they end up like suffocating him to death. Right. It's pretty graphic, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, and... So Ben, I get he like we're, we're I think we're led to believe he kills Steve just in a moment of passion over his treatment of Stephanie, right? Mm-hmm. Or Steph, mm-hmm. um, Ben's crush, who Steve dates and um, cheats on and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, 
I mean, I sort of get that. I don't think it's like I don't think the movie has built it as a justification for for murder, right? Like they have that conflict, but they haven't built that conflict to. You have to earn if you're gonna murder somebody, you have to earn it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the movie has to earn it from you. And I really don't think they did, basically. Uh- I agree with that. And I think sort of in that moment where he's about to bat down Steve, there's mm-hmm. also, it sort of crosses your mind, like, is he doing this for, uh, in, in response to peer pressure? Like, mm-hmm. is he doing this because he thinks that he needs to stick up for his boys, mm-hmm. therefore he needs to take out Steve? But that doesn't really check out because, like, he tried to, he was trying, hasn't at that point, hadn't he already left the crew? Was it like, yeah, I mean, like, he was trying to get his shit together at that yeah. point. Half an hour ago, you know, yeah. like his shit was together at that point. Right. And then for some reason he agrees. Literally, there's a scene where like they're talking about fucking over. They're talking about Steve hiring them to rob his parents. And Ben is like, I'm fucking out, man. No way. And then like jump cut to like the five of them sitting together starting to plot out the robbery. And you're like, wait, why is Ben there? Like it. It doesn't make sense that he sort of... It doesn't really explain why he comes back into this thing. And mm-hmm. I get what you're saying about, like, loyalty, right? And, like, protecting his boys. Um, but I th- he already had the emotional journey of realizing that protecting his boys and being part of the crew was not good for him. And mm-hmm. not the right thing to do. Like, we we together with Ben have been through that emotional journey with him. Like that conflict has been resolved and you can't just reopen it like that with no justification to me. Yeah. I think, um, uh, another thing that might be in play here is that, right. Ben is uh, like, he's the main character. We're here Mm -hmm. to like experience his growth journey. And part of that is like, Pushing, pushing his limits and exploring his limits, but also sort of testing whether or not he can, like, handle stuff, can, whether he can handle high school, whether he's going to be able to handle life yeah. after life in college. Yeah. And, like, this, yeah, this maybe ends up being a moment where, like, because he's sort of, like, done the gangster life, retreated from it, like, he has sort of, like, come to peace with it, and he's ready to, like, take another step forward. He yeah. says to himself that he can handle it. He can handle sort of, like, the responsibility of what he's about to do. Yeah. And he goes for it, but he thinks he can see farther ahead than he than actually he Yeah, does. I mean, and that's yeah. a good point. And that's a theme that, like, um, it definitely comes through in the movie. Like, people trying to plan out their lives and see farther ahead than they can actually see. And realize that a lot of that control is not up to you. And it's mm-hmm. really your, your only control of what you're standing in front of for the most part. You either, like, hit the guy in the head with the bat or don't, I guess. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and in the end... Okay, so a couple... I, I mean, I didn't like the end of this movie, mm-hmm. basically, at all. Because all these conflicts, this, like, mat- mush of conflicts that they've set up don't really have a super satisfying resolution. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, Virgil tries to kill himself, sort of, and ends up, like, grazing his head and going into a coma, kind of? Something like, something like something. that. Like, okay. Kind of like a, uh, sort of like a fight club thing, where you, like, shoots himself in the mouth, and it, like, comes out of his cheek, sort of thing. Yeah, That's that kind of thing. Yeah. Han, who, throughout the movie, who has been sort of a bully to Virgil we kind of see that he really cares about him when he tries to kill himself. He's like very concerned. And like, Mm -hmm. that's sort of Han's resolution, which felt really empty because we didn't spend enough time on Han's feelings about Virgil throughout the movie. Really? I felt like, yeah, I think the only sort of hint we got was sort of, uh, whatever midway through the movie when they were at that high school party and, um, they're getting taunted by some other football player. Yeah. And then they have that tussle where Darren brings out the gun. Han yeah. seems to be the one that's just like, this is not our fight right now. Right. Like, this right. is a party. Like nobody here, like we don't want to be taking ourselves this too seriously. Like right. we're here for us and we need to get out of here now because that's what's good for whatever their family. 
Right. And, 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 you know, we see some instances of Han sort of being mean to Virgil, but most of it, except when he beats him up when they both get expelled or mm-hmm. suspended, which is very quick and done mostly through narration. Um, most of what Han's treatment of Virgil is like lighthearted ribbing, right? Like it's not very serious. He doesn't really hate him. He mm-hmm. doesn't talk to other characters about disliking Virgil, which really might help sell his feelings. So when the, the resolution for Han's character turns around and he's actually like sad about Virgil being injured, it doesn't hit us. I mean, to me, it doesn't hit me emotionally like mm. I think it's meant to, right? Got it. Um, Derek, almost Darren ended up there. Um, <laughs> Derek, his what is what is nothing, so, right? Yeah. So I like I was so as far as Derek goes, I think. Um, we're yeah we're led to sort of like feel that he is he's the most twisted one of them all mm-hmm. because he's ultimately the ones that that. Sort of upon seeing Steve's flicker of life after being batted down, like right, he's the one who takes charge of ending it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's sort of the biggest. That's sort of like the biggest, like, um, sort of uh, yeah, shade. But I think uh, when we talk about sort of, even if we go back to the beginning, where we sort of are establishing Darren as the um, uh, the valedictorian, mm-hmm. um, we find out that he's also sort of the leader of the cheating ring. Right. Right. And like, although he, I think he sort of proves himself as also still being a smart guy by like mm-hmm. leading the decathlon and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I think for me, like I feels like it's in question whether or not he's actually smart or talented. Yeah. Um, even though he's sort of made to be that, Alpha high school guy. Well, I, my big problem... I, I get all that. My big problem is when you fucking... When you, when you murder someone in a movie, they either have to get... The murderers either have to get caught or get away with it. Mm-hmm. And they sort of don't... I, not, sort of neither happens, right? Mm. There's like inklings of like, is Virgil gonna like tell what happened? You know, to the cops. But that doesn't get played out. There's, um, you know, nothing really... They find the body... They bury the body in a backyard. In Jesus' backyard or whatever. And Virgil and Ben hear the cell phone ring under the ground and dig it up. Mm-hmm. But then nothing happens with the cell phone, really, right? It's just he realizes Steph is trying to find Steve. I think that you know, I mean, that's a I think, moment where somebody else is in the backyard and hears a cell phone ringing under the ground, right? And they get caught, right? That's what that moment is. It's not mm-hmm. like just, oh, I guess we got a cell phone now. Good thing, right? <laughs> you right. know. And then in the end, Ben is just like, "What will happen will happen," which helps Ben's theme of like being less in control of his life. But it, you've you've gone to murder. Like you gotta deal maxed out. Yeah, you gotta deal with the murder part of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. You can't just like do a murder and then go back to being like Ben really needs to like let go of some control, right? Like yeah. the stakes are way too high for us to go back to that dinky sort of emotional arc for Ben, mm-hmm. right? I think that's a good sort of place to sort of discuss the title of the movie. What do you think it means? Good question. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Well, I don't know. If I had to guess, it would be something like... Ben, in the at least in the beginning, seems to be sort of just falling short of his ideals. He doesn't... He, do, he does badly in decathlon... Academic decathlon practice. He gets six men on the basketball team, which, yes, we've discussed, but, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, he's sort of always, he's not, he's like friendly. He's like friends with Steph, but she's got a boyfriend, right? So he's like falling short of where he wants to be. And like, better luck tomorrow. If you take it in the context of the beginning of the movie, might be like, 
yeah, better luck tomorrow. Like, you just sit down and you do the work and you, like, try again tomorrow, right? And, like, you, you work as hard as you fucking can and you'll push it through and, like, it'll happen for you. But at the end of the movie, in the context of the end of the movie, it's, like, better luck tomorrow seems to be, like, actually embracing this idea of, like, I'm a little bit out of control of my life. And, like, luck has a big part in what happens and... I have to sort of let that be. So tomorrow may bring what tomorrow may bring. Maybe it'll bring good luck. Maybe it'll bring bad luck. But mm-hmm. I'm going to embrace for now the idea that I don't know. I don't know that any of that is right, but that's sort of me projecting my own thoughts onto it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? Um, so I had a, a series of thoughts. I was like, better luck tomorrow. It sort of sounds like the like a like a name of a restaurant translated mm. poorly like mm-hmm. asian restaurant better look tomorrow i was like okay oh, sure okay. sounds good um it also along that line sounded sort of like a sassy fortune cookie okay so went on up uh, better luck tomorrow it's like oh fuck you oh, fortune right. cookie yeah fuck you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um i was trying to yeah i was trying to sort of think about this uh similar to yours like this day by day sort of like no consequences or we'll try again tomorrow type of thing mm-hmm. but um, for me, at least, like it didn't seem that didn't seem to sort of capture the spirit of the movie. Like it yeah. didn't feel like they were actually. It didn't seem like the characters were thinking about the consequences of their actions, and mm. that they were acting very, yeah, like I said, short sightedly. Um, which led me to sort of like the yeah. The only thing I could take away from it was just that like you leave this movie with sort of yeah like a loss of faith in the youth, like the capacity Mm. for these four guys to like Mm -hmm. have all this potential, like commit murder and then rationalize it to a point where like he can hop in the car with the guys, the dead guys, girlfriend girlfriend. and drive off in the sunset and think everything's going to be okay. And if I like, and that's me looking at it now, adult looking at sort of, uh, teen portrayal of life, but if, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, I think that makes movie. a lot of sense. Of like, yeah, <laughs> the youth were just yeah, teen, the know, youth. terrible. They're shit. Yeah, they're shit. Yeah, it's, um, and, but hey, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to do like a quick shout out and then come back and talk about Han really quick and then yeah. zip it up? Sure. All right, so uh, we have a segment on this podcast called. Sh- Shout outs! Um, Shout outs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, there's a lot of product placement in the Fast and Furious franchise, and we thought we'd have some here on the pod itself. So, um, we just give a little shout out to products, places, things, people, opportunities that we like and got going on in, this, in our lives. Um, I'll start off this week. I sure. bought a ham <laughs> yeah. at the grocery store. What size? Whole ham, right? I it's um, it's not huge. It's like a loaf of bread. Okay. Size like a um, you know a medium loaf of bread size. Um, it's I mean it's um it's perfect. It's a it's perfect. It's a perfect little snack. You know, um, it lasts for a long time in the fridge. Uh, it uh, slices real nice into very thick or thin, depending on what I want, mm-hmm. uh, sandwich slices. Sometimes I don't even get the bread out. I just put a bunch on a plate, get a little Coleman's mustard, dip it in, pop it in. Excellent. I would recommend the ham situation to anybody who's looking for that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I I've purchased a few hams in um in the past and I I truly like the customizability of yeah. the consumption. That's like, exactly right. I find like the cu- like little cubes, like centimeter um uh, cubes like mm-hmm. are fun, but also sort of the extended version of that which is sort of like the the finger the yeah. finger like the yeah. finger cut like mm-hmm. those are fun to eat. Great. You pop to them. Eat. You pop them pop like them. carrot sticks, but they're hams. 100% dip them in a little <laughs> ranch dip, something like that. That's I also really good. Right? I also it's just, a very um, versatile product. Ham. That's true. You know? I, I imagine also, I don't think I've ever done this before, but taking it to a cheese grater and having like shredded ham, that sounds oh. pretty good too. 
That seems like something you'd see in like a tasty video. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. some kind of gif recipe. Uh, <laughs> like shred the ham and then stuff it in a ball of mac and cheese and fry mm-hmm. it. Um, it's, it's an incredibly versatile product and um, tasty. And uh, yeah, I like the level of control it like, gives me basically mm-hmm. in, in my snacking. You know, I like to have a versatile snack. Basically. Excellent, excellent. What are you going to so, do with a chip? Nothing. You're going to eat it. <laughs> Nothing. That's it. It's very little. That's it. Ham it could be all thousands of different things. <laughs> you know? Um, did, I, did I tell you I saw a plain Dorito the other day? I, I, By saw, the way? I saw the post and I was horrified. It's the most <laughs> fucked up thing I've ever seen in my life. In my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like as if there aren't enough uh, corn chips out there already. Like, yeah, here's another one. It's Dorito minus the dust. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, the purpose, like what made Doritos popular was the dust. And now and they're going the back dust. to their roots, or else it's no, it's no longer a Dorito. You can't I call it a Dorito if there's nothing on it. I felt very uncomfortable. It was, uh, I will say it was a good, it was a, Above average corn chip, mm-hmm. actually, but I don't ever want to eat it. Again. I don't. I didn't feel comfortable eating it. Basically, I is immediately it, ran out and bought some dusted Doritos. Yeah. Uh, is there anything on the package that indicates that it's supposed to be as tasty as a normal Dorito, or is this supposed to be like a health version of the classic? You know Dorito? what it says on the package? Original salt. No. That's it. That's it. Wild, yeah. yo. Um, uh, what do you got to shout out this week? So, I unfortunately am also doing a food shout out this nice. week. No, not unfortunate. <laughs> food is great. We we got it's all we got in quarantine land. Yeah, food's great. Um, I need to give a shout out to the green onion. Mm. Yeah, like uh, typically a staple of mm-hmm. whatever Asian food you're making at home. Mm-hmm. I use it in eggs. I use it in. Well, mostly around breakfast time, but I can put it in anything I want. I put it in some uh, salsa I made a nice. couple days ago. Yeah. But um, the primary reason I'm shouting out to the green onion is not because of its taste. It's because of how fucking fast these things grow. Re- re- the oh. regeneration. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> this is, Whoa. <laughs> this is two weeks worth of growth. Whoa! If like people can't week, see, there's a foot. That's a those are foot longs. You could, grows, you could bun them up and put them in a hot dog bun. Yeah, it grows four inches a week. That's wild, man! It's wild. So and regenerating. All you have to do is take the ends and like dunk them in some water. Yeah, you just take the salsa jar, empty that shit out, fill it halfway. Boom! I have a. I'm a. I'm a farmer over here. I've got yeah, like that's five of these things, Welcome. and I'm just. <laughs> it's it's crazy they're parked over here next to jess's um other like rare and expensive plants and yeah. these babies are outgrowing all of them dude i love it man it's Here's, so sweet all right i'm gonna poke some holes in your in your farming mm-hmm. activity one is we talked about versatility in snacks so with the green onion the versatility it allows you is you can get like the nice garnishy very green part Mm-hmm. Or they have very crunchy white slices, right? That are very flavorful. You can fry them up in your sort of, oh, there's a word for it, uh, onion, garlic, green onion kind of deal. Get mm-hmm. a little oniony flavor there. But if you do that, you can't regrow them. So, like, mm-hmm. you either get regrowth or versatility in the green onion situation. You have to choose. <laughs> The second I found, I don't know if you found this because you might have a better sort of stock or better growing methodology. Uh When I regrew some green onions, that they got weirdly slimy at the top. Huh? Yeah, they got a little wet. There was like a different, almost a different. You know, yeah, it was like sort of moist inside and kind of. I don't know. I think yeah. there's a way that the grocery people, I say the grocery people, like <laughs> like the pros, the green yeah. onion pros, prepare them for sale that I'm missing. I, it's it's very simple. They just trim the tops. 
I'm a it's, dumb. Yeah, that's all they do. So yeah, if you that's what that's what happens is like if you leave it in there for if you leave a a bunch in your fridge for ten days, like yeah. they'll get sort of like moist from mm-hmm. either the bag or just the condensation yeah. from inside of your thing. Yeah. You can still eat. You can still eat that. It's whatever. You can eat it. It's not gonna kill you, but it doesn't taste great. Yeah. Just cut that shit off. I leave mean, it in there for a few more days. It'll grow back and it's full strength. Can't wait. Yeah. Um all right, shout out to Green Onion, shout out to him. Hell yeah. All right, I want to talk really quickly about Han and then I got to bounce. Um, yeah, same. So Han is Han, kind of, right? To me, the only the only thing that's similar to me is that he is played by Sun Kang and his name is Han. Mm. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel to me like this character walked off Better Luck Tomorrow and walked into Fury, fa- fa- uh, the Fast and Furious, like the four. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. that's the next chronologically time we see him. Hmm. I guess like Han could have murder in his past, but like, yeah. Did you, I mean, did you get any sense? I was trying to sort of suss out whether or not he was sort of learning the art of the con and whether or not that was something that sort of he got a taste of. He started at Best Buy and then was doing the homework ring. And uh, Mm -hmm. when they started getting bigger and people started passing them scams, he seemed to be the one that was like, this is a good move. This is not a good move. Like, it's worth it, not worth it. Kind of like a entre- entrepreneurial spirit or yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I can't disprove it, right? There's no mm-hmm. way to be like, oh, it's not the same character, right? Cause, mm-hmm. and, and very clearly, Justin Lin wrote this movie, Better Luck Tomorrow, and wrote a character played by Sung Kang called Han, who's sort of a gangster criminal kind of feeling, and then went and made, was going to make Tokyo Drift, which is the next movie he made. And was mm-hmm. like, you know what I really need in this is fucking Han from that last movie that I made. Right? Like, clearly mm-hmm. that happened. Um, it just feels like the character made a transformation, at least, before Tokyo Drift. In that he became, one, a good guy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, he's he's kind of a dick in this movie. Uh, and a murderer. <laughs> and mm-hmm. two... Um, yeah, he sort of has a better control over things in Tokyo Drift to me. Um, I was exploring the idea of um, Han and Steve being opposite characters. Mm-hmm. Steve being somebody of um, yeah wealth and privilege who can't find a way to sort of appreciate sort of what's going on around him, where mm-hmm. Han plays somebody with you know normal means or less but is able to sort of like understand the world around him and exploit that in sort of ways that serve him. But right. sort of generally like through his expression, yeah, through his sort of drug use and like sort of like seizing the, uh, yeah, seizing the good stuff and good times. Like, is he the opposite then of Steve? Yeah, I mean, I get those play, characters play a dynamic off each other. I think, and, and you know, maybe there's a situation wherein Han and Ben could have been sort of m- more melded into one character. Like, hmm. maybe the Ben character starts off like we see him and ends up more Han-like and therefore, like, can play off of Steve or can play off of Derek, Steve Derek sort mm-hmm. of character's in two different dynamics, but it's the same character we just have who has a physical, who has like an evolution, right, in terms of his attitude, character, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that di- that dynamic could have played more because to me, like Han in this movie is really off to the sideline, mm-hmm. right? Like he's got it's almost to the point of like. He doesn't Is do it even he, necessary. Yeah, he's not really necessary in this movie. He like drives around. He like drives every. He has a car. Mm-hmm. 
But somebody else could have a car. Like, there's no real need for Han to be there. Yeah, I was almost surprised that he, like, I had, we, eventually you pieced together that he goes to high school with them. I thought yeah. he was just, like, a he guy that was around. way older. Because he's introduced right. as his cousin, right? As yeah. Virgil's cousin. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily mean he goes to the same high school. But he looks way older and acts way older. You know, mm-hmm. like, college dropout, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought there was some stuff missing with that character. But the one thing I did interest was interesting to me. If we are going down the line of it's the same character, exactly. In the house, when they're preparing to rob Steve's house, somebody's like, we're going to have to crack this safe. Han, you got that? And Han's like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which would have been a nice through line of like, Make Han in the Fast and Furious the safe cracking dude instead of Tej. You know what I mean? Yeah, I like that. Because Tej ends up being the safe cracker when, like, Tej is already the tech guy and he's the sort of, like, you know, he finds all the side menus Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. He sort of can do the computer hacking part. Whereas Han, you know, could do the safe cracking thing is a great lane for Han in those yeah. movies. That's that, a, that would be a cool skill to add to his character. Yeah, I thought it's. I really made me think in the Fast and Furious movies that sort of bit should have been taken away from Tej and shifted onto Han. I feel like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that the safe had technical aspects to it. So for that, for Fast Five, it sort of made sense to plop it there with Tej and then you know whatever, but. I don't know, would have been Han's contribution to the team, again, feels a little sidelined now to me, of just like, what does he do? He's like, drives. Grease man. Yeah, he's the grease man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. He, like, eats corn nuts while watching, like, Giselle do all the hard work. Right, right. Um, anyway, that's it for me. You have anything else you want to talk about? That's it. I think all that's right. it. We did get a mention, I guess, of... Fast and the Furious, we got a name drop in this movie. Do you think that was weird? Um, I did think that was a little weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Maybe Justin <laughs> Lin had a whole plan for himself as well. Hey? Right? Yeah. Maybe he was just a fan. Yeah. Um, speaking of fans, if you want to be, you know, engage with us as fans, you can find us at Nolt Podcast on Twitter, N-O-L-T-T Podcast. Um, you can hit us up on Instagram. No one likes the tuna podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Um, do we have a new, I think you said we have a new, we got a new patron, baby. Patrick. Welcome. Patrick Patrick signed on. He's, he's, he threw us a buck. I'm fucking pumped, man. I'm I'm so excited. Welcome. Let us know if there, like, there's anything you want us to do differently. We'll do it. I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm not, you know, we'll do it. Right. No standards for this podcast. Um, yeah. And if you want to join Patrick and just toss us a buck, like it, it's so helpful. It like really makes this pod happen. We did this whole hundredth um, episode special last week and that only happened because we had like, you know, even a small amount contributed. It's like, it's so helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to patreon.com slash no one likes the platoon podcast. Um, there's some exclusive shit up there. We did, we're doing a Resident Evil series, which we should maybe do another one of. I'm ready for one of those. Um, so that's up there if you want to listen to that. Yeah, throw us a buck. And um, always, 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 if you want to rate us, you want to review us on Apple Podcasts. Like if you have access to the Apple Podcast system in some mm-hmm. way. Take five minutes and write us a review. It's annoying. You got to sign in with Apple ID. Like, there's all kinds of annoying shit around it. But if you can just jump those hurdles, search our podcast out, hit a little review button, smash those five stars. <laughs> Fucking, that'd be so good. That'd be so good. So, uh, anyway, Daryl, I'm going to go take a nap. Sounds good. That'll do it for us this week. No one likes the Tuna Podcast.